This episode of the This Is Happening podcast is dedicated to the memory of the hot Scott, Roddy Roddy Piper. We love you, Hot Rod. We love you. Right, Hector, do you have any memories of the Hot Rod you want to go over real quick? Oh, man, I have so many memories of Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and they all involve the awesomeness of Piper's Pit, which is like, uh, uh, it was my favorite segment as a kid when watching wrestling. I'll tell you right now, was Rowdy Piper technically one of the greatest wrestlers? No, but he was the most damn entertaining. I'll tell you that much right now. I could watch him for hours and not let's not forget on uh his movie career so um i love that i love that crazy ass scotsman running around wrestling in a kilt all right let me go i've actually had the pleasure of seeing the hot rod live a few times um every time his music played and you didn't expect them there you always got goosebumps you know like if you're watching you know i think we're at a raw taping in Madison Square Garden, the bagpipe started playing, and everybody just got goosebumps, and he just popped for it. Now, I've, I've actually had two personal encounters with the Hot Rod himself. The first one is very minor, and, you know, he's probably never going to remember it. But, um, well, he never, he wouldn't probably never have remembered it. Uh, we're at an airport in Philadelphia, and he drove by me, and I had the face like, holy shit, it's Hot Rod. He looked at me, he's like, no, kid. Don't bother me. And I just didn't bother him because, you know, he's in a rush. He's in one of those go-karts. So he was, just, he, he was like, the permission to mark out, denied. <laughs> the second encounter I've had with Hot Rod, which is more, we had, had a pretty much one-on-one interaction, was a few years ago there was a film festival, uh, the Pro Wrestling Film Festival, which originally I went to see the ECW documentary, uh, Barbed Wire City. But then I was like, you know what, screw it. Let's stay and watch the... Uh, Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies movie, starring Shane Douglas, Matt Hardy, Kurt Angle. I think it's currently uh, distributed by Troma, Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies. After, after the movie, you know, um, the Hot Rod's in it also, of course. And after the movie, we were supposed to speak to the director. director's going to, like, oh, stay for the movie, you know, have, have a chat with the director. Have a chat with the director, and whatever, like, you know, like, you know, like a panel. So... Movie's over. We all applaud. I thoroughly enjoyed that piece of shit movie. I was literally crying and cracking up the entire time. It was bad. It was one of those movies that's so bad it's good. You know what I mean? So then, um, the movie's over. Director comes out. He says a few words. And once again, Piper's music hit. And so a complete surprise to everyone in the crowd, Roddy Piper comes out. And we all marked out. It's like a, a room of like 75 to 100 wrestling fans. Marking out, going crazy over Piper. Piper grabs the mic, and he starts burying this movie. He hated the movie. He's the star of the movie, and he's supposed to be like, oh, come watch this movie. Please enjoy it. Buy the DVD. But instead, he, for some reason, he hated the movie. He buried the director. And it was so bad that I, out of turn, just got, I stood up, and I started I started defending the movie to Hot Rod. And now Piper and I are, like, kind of having a small spirited debate over the merit of this movie. And, uh, you know, we disagree to disagree. But that's my actual interaction. Hot Rod was, uh, you know, we kind of had an argument over pro wrestlers versus zombies. And because of that interaction, that movie will always have a place in my heart. Hot Rod, you always, uh, you were a consummate professional. You always knew what you were doing. You know, no matter what movie you were in, 
you were still a great actor. You know, like some people would be like, oh, it's a shitty movie. I'll be a shitty actor. No, he always brought it. He always brought us everything he did. You know, if he's in a crappy angle, he's going to make it an awesome crappy angle. And that's pretty much all I got to say. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen. All I got to say is now we're here to do two things. Chew bubblegum and kick ass. And we're all out of bubblegum. All right, Piper, this sips for you, brother. Hey, Hector. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that I got banned from the bowling alley? Why's that? Uh, you were kind of there. Uh, you know, when I was I was looking at the screen, and I noticed that I was winning as usual, but not only beating our, our, people on our screen, but people beat on the next lane over. And you know, after a few beers and a few shots of, you know, vodka, I, get, I, t- I tend to be full of testosterone, especially yeah. when I'm playing a sport. Yeah. So I'm just like, I just started screaming, I'm raping everyone! I'm raping everyone! And then I just started humping the machines. And uh, wasn't that the same reason you got kicked out of a casino? Yeah, but I was. I said at, at that time I said I was raping the Indians. So, so <laughs> <laughs> Cry for the Indians. Yeah. So hit uh, me, Monkey Man. Cry, cry. No, ah, uh, uh, that, oh, that's man. what you. That's your thing. God damn it. Yeah, but oh, you don't. Man. You don't do it while he's in the middle of a sip. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Don't distract the man when he's drinking. Yeah. So in 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 addition to uh, humping machines, I mean, according to you, I was I was I uh, beat up a Puerto Rican woman. Yeah. Uh, like uh, we 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 can't mention names, but you got a little out of control. And uh, so first, after you've done um, basically molesting all things inanimate. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you got you went up to to our friend that was with us at the time who was his female Puerto and you Rican. and <laughs> and then you put your hand on her forehead and push it back you see, and I was like oh shit this dude's gonna get stabbed and like uh, she started laughing it off which like I was like uh, the biggest sigh of relief in my life because I honestly thought I'd have to pull the fire alarm just so that we avoid all getting killed. Yeah, I just remember kind of thinking. I, I know. I know. At one point, I just yelled, "Goddamn Puerto Rican!" But and, bef- and but I don't remember mushing her. But I, apparently, it's that's what we call it. We call it a mush. The way you made it sound like it was like a, a whatever. Anyway, so her head went back, bro. That's right. Like back. Nah. <laughs> she, nah. she, yeah, she got all that uh, cocky to break to break her fall. Okay. So. I'm in love with the cookie. And, and with with that, uh, oh, gosh, I think we've been recording all this time. Okay, well, with that said, welcome to the This Is Happening Live podcast. We are filming live from Spokane, Washington. What were you going to say? I was going to say Susquehanna, New Brunswick. New Brunswick. I don't know. Canada? Yeah. Fuck Canada. I mean, Canadians, we love you. <laughs> um, Susquehanna. So, I am your host... Uh, Diego Santos. With me always is introduce yourself, Hector. I am Falcor, the flying beast of burden, and to my to my right, the legendary Monkey Man. All I have to say is that. Oh, ah, ah! Alright. <laughs> if you didn't make that noise, Hector was gonna attack you. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna jump over this counter and fuck you up. We man. were looking at you like, why are you talking? <laughs> why are you speaking human words, monkey man? <laughs> oh jeez, he's giving up banana I'll shut my <laughs> Alright, the, the only word you should know is no! 
I'll love you for such a liberty if I have to. <laughs> God damn you all. So... Anyway. Segway. We're gonna do our we're gonna do our callback early. Usually we do this after the interview, but you mentioned last week that you hung out with Andrew WK. This is correct. Please tell us a story. Um, a year, a couple of years. This was actually in, believe it or not, the late nineties. It was like uh, ninety eight, I believe. I um, Andrew WK was doing a show with uh, the the Blood Brothers. And from autumn to ashes here in um, wherever the hell we are. And, um, you know, before uh, Andrew WK began their set, they were just hung, hanging around and everything. And then I made some sort of hot sauce joke. I don't remember exactly how it went. But they loved it. And then I just, you know, just started hanging out with uh, Andrew WK and their respective girlfriends, which was kind of odd. But it was really fun, you know. Um, most of them don't drink. So that was you know, their thing, but yeah, it was really fun, and we got to exchange a lot of really cool stories, and Andrew WK, uh, he's really intelligent, extremely intelligent, but at the same time, he's a complete nut job, like, he's, you, having a conversation with him is, like, the equivalent of someone taking a sock full of ice cubes and beating you over the head with it, you know, and, uh, but great guy, had a great time, um, and uh, it was done at, in, in uh, the Rexplex in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, we, we're not going to give it a shout out because it's freaking gone and dead. dead, dead. And it was such a cool place. They try to make it more than it was. They try to like have like it had a soccer uh, field and had basketball courts, courts, courts. Scorts. Uh, it had a skating park. It had everything. You could, you could do pretty much do anything if you had the cash for it. It's basically a parkour dream come true. However, as you may know, Elizabeth, New Jersey is not known for its parkour. We're fuck. They are fucking known for its laziness. <laughs> All right. They are some lazy ass motherfuckers. We do not condone. They do not actually. Yeah, they do not condone in that. All right. So that's basically why it kind of closed down. Yeah. Um. So it was plus like, dude, that place overpriced for everything. A burger was like five bucks, you know. And I'm like, dude, you're in Elizabeth, New Jersey. No one has that kind of cash for a cheeseburger. So and you know they had their paintball events and everything, which was cool. But nobody was going because it was too expensive. And really, quite frankly, it didn't have that kind of fan base. However. As a concert venue, it thrived because I was there in uh, 97 for the Hell Festival. And when that came along, the line was around the could circle around the block twice. So I said to myself, well, why not just keep it as a concert venue? You know, that way I don't have to go all the way to freaking Sayreville at the, you know, or go all the way to New York. It was literally only a 15 minute car ride away, a bus ride. But I guess Ikea needed more parking or something. And they said, oh, we're going to get rid of that. And I say to myself, and I, ever since then, to, that, to this very day, there is a lot of unused land there that's doing nothing. Literally nothing. It's not even worth for nature because they paved over it. It's a desert. It's a fucking wasteland. So I say to them, if they really want to make this place, this city, 
uh, fucking uh, uh, a metropolis as they're trying to make into it, you know, with all the new businesses, put the fucking, um, uh, turn it into a music, build a nice little venue right there so all the local bands can have a place to play and, you know, really big shows can come and play and we'd be able to get, like, the bigger acts, you know, not just in um, heavy metal but also forms of music because I do remember... Uh, Bootsy Collins and the Funk- Funkadelics was playing there at shout one point. Yeah, big shout out to Bootsy and uh, George Clinton, the whole nine, and uh, they played there. And I was, and I honestly thought, like, okay, they're gonna forgo like the 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 birthday parties and all that stuff that was bombing, and they'll just keep it as a concert venue. But they said, no, we're just gonna get rid of the whole thing. I really don't know who they sold the land to, but whoever got, whoever has it, please. Fucking do the world a favor, do us all a favor, use your brain, and turn it back into a concert venue, because it's a great location for that. Yeah, I almost actually, I was telling these guys earlier, I almost rented up that space for a concert, and before I signed the papers, two weeks before I, uh, you know, everything was finalized, is when it was sold and it got shut down. I remember going there a few times to see uh, Ring of Honor Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they had wrestling events there. When I, In fact, when I went to see... Andrew WK, while we're waiting in line, there was a one of the wrestling events happening. So, like, you know, you were up there, up in, like, you had the client go to the second floor, and you could see the wrestlers doing their thing while you're waiting for uh, going to the concert. It was pretty damn awesome. So, so now we got that out the way. Um, Let's also toss in, last week you also mentioned, uh, if I butcher his name, whatever, David... Mustaine. Mustaine. Thank you. Don't, don't ever blaspheme Dave Mustaine's name in the presence of Monkey Man. You'll kill us all. Honestly. I got a story about that in the future. Tell him, I, man. Tell him now. Tell him. Okay, I got a story for this guy. Um, We were at the, uh, the, the, the Mayhem Festival at the PNC Bank Art Center in Matawan, New Jersey. Big shout out to PNC. and La- Huh? Homedale. You're right. No, it's... Actually, Homedale. Yeah, we get off at Madawan, go to... Right, Home, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're in Homedale. Big shout out to PNC and to Live Nation. Um, so there we are. And we saw... Our, we went to see Megadeth. And me and Monkey Man, huge Megadeth fans. We we have all the albums. We know all the songs. And, uh, you know, now that uh, uh, Dave Mustaine has uh, a line of Peruvian coffee, Monkey Man cl- <laughs> has officially claimed Dave Mustaine he's as his own as father. He's his own as father. This is the first recorded of, uh, of a man adopting a father. Monkey Man said Dave Mustaine is his father now, and it's legalized. The paperwork is going through right now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so like... This is this is there's a two parts of the story. Actually, there's a three parts of the story. All the all monkey man. The first time, so this is true. So when you go up the PNC, there's like this huge thirty foot stone staircase, and it's the and it's August and it's fucking hot as balls, and we're <laughs> so we're going up the stage the stairs, and Monkey Man is perfectly fine. He's like looking around. He's excited. He's he's gonna see his dad for the first time. <laughs> And then he gets to the top, and I shit you not, he gets on his knees and starts vomiting everywhere. He just unloads. I mean, this guy had had more coming out of him that was in him. It was like a like a gateway to another dimension, just opening. Do you know why you were throwing up? I know the reason. Do you want to? You do you know the reason? I wouldn't say heat wave, but uh, 
I believe my man here, the Metal King, has a better explanation than I do. Yeah, it, it, well, it turned out that it was heat exhaustion. It really was heat exhaustion. It was, was really strange because he was just like, fine. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I guess it's time to puke. And just got down. But what made this story awesome is not the fact that he was surrounded in vomit. One guy, possibly drunk, came out of nowhere, looked at him, and said, This guy came to the show wasted! And then everybody in the circle started clapping and cheering. It was insanity! It was true madness! And as the freaking uh, nurse's room, like, everybody was like, yo, and I was walking around with myself, I was like, yo, where's this guy who came to the show wasted? He got out, everyone started buying him drinks. It was madness. He became a legend in a matter of 30 seconds. It was insanity. For puking. For puking, as often we all do. Mm-hmm. Second part to the story. Um, we were waiting in line for Dave Mustaine to autograph their stuff. Because he was at a booth right before starting his set. Now, Dave Mustaine is notorious for basically, you know, cracking on people, being sharp-witted, and overall mean and asshole-ish. That's true. So I went up to him, I shook his hand, and I said, hey, I'm one of your biggest fans. Now, I'm only 5'4", which he in turn says, really, where's the rest of you? <laughs> I was taken back. I was like, yo, Dave Mustaine just insulted me. And I couldn't even be mad because it was day fucking mistake. Here's the th- final and third part of the story. So the night's over. Me and Monkey Man were ecstatic. It was a great. They played all the all the greats from freaking Peace Cells to Rat- Rattlehead. Like all all that made Mega like the best of Megadeth was played that day. Actually, they also played their their newest album called Black Swan. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you guys know about Black Swan. It's an okay album, not compared to the rest of the past albums, but it does the job right. Yeah. Back to my man. Yeah. So anyway. So there we were, and we were just, uh, we, we called the cab, and we started to wait. It was like around, what, like 9 o'clock, close to 10? And um, we were waiting outside in the parking lot for our cab, and we decided just to sit down. And then, like, out of nowhere, this kid decides to sit down next to us. We're like, whatever, you know, we're, we're, we're all the same people. And me and Josh, you know, ignoring this kid, start talking about, oh, man, Megadeth was great, they, their set was fantastic. Then this kid, you know turns to us, and he says, you think they sounded great tonight? Now, me, I was stung a bit. However, (laughs) Monkey Man's sight, the sight in his eyes, changed from that of extreme joy to pure blood red murder. He looked, he bent over, stared at this kid like a jack-o'-lantern lit on Halloween. I'm thinking, now, rather than be offended myself, I was like, yo, this guy is about to kill this guy. And the kid kept going on. I was like, man, they didn't sound good at all. I've been composing music since I was f- six years old. And I'm like engaging this kid in con- Monkey Man. Monkey Man is only progressively getting angrier. And, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, so how old are you? Then he says, I'm 18. I'm like, this, I was like, this little punk. You know, this motherfucker doesn't know anything. All the, and then he reaches into his pocket, pulls out his lower lip, and he stuffs his, his, his cheek full of fucking chewing tobacco. And he starts chewing it. And I'm like, oh, what kind of, what kind of smart kid 
says that he's so small, so smart that he's chewing tobacco. All the while, now Monkey Man's fists are starting to ball up. You could hear the knuckles cracking how tight he was making it. At this point, I said, we I, I dubbed Monkey Man. I said, listen, we got to get going. Not for the sake of the fact that we it was going to happen. I just didn't want this kid to get killed. You know? And, and like, that's how that day ended because Monkey Man was about to commit murder in the name of uh, Megadeth. <laughs> and that's that story. There you have it, folks. We have two lovely stories. I don't know if that's right word for both Megadeth and Andrew WK. <laughs> but those are two good stories. and They're stories. Let's leave it at that. And we'll leave Hit it me, at Monkey that. Man. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. And perfect timing. Our guest is calling us right now. Let me uh, do this transfer thing, and let's let's do this interview. Let's knock, let's knock this bad boy out. Can you guys hear me? That's better. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. And on the line, we have members from the band Mankind is Obsolete and Alice. Uh, let's visit them on the website at www.ilikealice.com. Did I get that website correctly? You did. I like Alice, too. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. All right. And we actually have a third band on the line, too, Bash. I have the boys of Bash, who are also the boys of Alice, and Mankind is Obsolete. So yeah, uh, it's like a, a three-in-one package yeah. here. <laughs> Alright, that's a lot to plug. Uh, what's the website? For, is there a website for Bash or a Facebook, Twitter? Yeah, it's uh, the website is bashrock.com. Thanks, I love it. And the Instagram is bashrockbash. <laughs> <laughs> do you like our names? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We like to be creative. Yes, yes, I do. I mean, from from. <laughs> the, uh, actually, well, but before we get officially started, which actually not, not actually not, I'll ask that question later. Can everyone introduce themselves in uh, alphabetical order? Plus, um, <laughs> oh, right? uh, we, don't, okay. we, don't, we don't know. We don't know alphabet. Oh, you we, would go we, first. You would go first. Okay, well, I'll go first. My name is Gordon Bash, and uh, that's my actual last name, <laughs> and that's my actual first name. But that's my great grandmother's maiden name, so I'm just a name of last names. <laughs> uh, I'm originally from Western Pennsylvania. Uh, which uh, m means I can grow really great facial hair. Uh, and uh, I'm the singer-bassist of Bash. I'm the bassist, uh, songwriter-singer of Alice, bassist of Mankind is Obsolete. And, yes, and to my left is, well... Next me. person in the alphabet would be oh, uh, My name's Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Scott what? Landis. And what do you do? Uh, I play guitar. <laughs> I do things. Uh, I program computers. I um, I play keyboard too. Me, sir. And I'm Steve. I'm uh, the drummer, and I pull things out of people's behinds. Yeah. <laughs> you have to explain why. Uh, Please. Living the, living the dream. Yep. Living the dream. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah. One spatula at a time. <laughs> Use Dr. Drums. Yeah. yeah, he's the MD, which means monster drummer. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Tosh. I am the singer of Alice and Mankind is Obsolete and the cheerleader slash sign holder of Bash. Whenever they need a sign holder for lyrics, I am up there on stage. <laughs> nice. There you go, guys. Awesome. Uh, what led to the creation from, you know, Mankind is Obsolete and then adding Alice to the uh, to the workload?
Oh, sorry. Can you say that one more time? No, I was saying, what led to the creation of Alice, since that seems to, like, add to the workload? Um, so we went on the year-long tour for Mankind is Obsolete, and um, Gordon and Scott and I had, like, all these songs that we had been kind of working and um, jamming through, and that kind of um, inspired Alice, I guess, because uh, they didn't really fit in the Mankind format. And, um, so that was it. Our first album was released, um, in 2011, actually. And, um, you know, we asked Steve to join us, um, and we're actually about to release a new album. Like we're working on two albums for our jazz project, which is Alice in the Ground. Um, that's an awful another piece. That's another band. Yeah. We write a lot, like between all of us, like we just, we're, constantly creative and so a lot of different styles um you know i'm going on a tangent but we just did this really cool um david bowie rock opera that gordon was the music director for um we did the diamond dogs album in entirety with a cast performing it um so yeah we we stay pretty busy with all of our little creative projects that's good that's good yeah yeah, it's funny because, I mean, being in a band, that's kind of like a full-time job. And I reckon most, if not all of you, have uh, regular actual full-time jobs, right? Yeah, yeah, we all we all keep busy with uh, all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how, how does that affect, how does that affect the music? Both art- Let's go to artistically first. I think it actually, um, like, everything that we do, like, creates more inspiration for it's like, it's like a really cool domino effect. Like, I think all of us are naturally very energetic people and it's great that we have all these things to put our energy into. Like I, I know speaking for myself, like I go stir crazy if I, you know, don't have a lot of my plate actually, I guess there's stay busy. It keeps us out of trouble. All right, cool. And how, how, how does it affect the band? Um... Oh, I think uh, you're, you're cutting out again. If you could repeat. Oh, uh, come again? No, I, I didn't. I didn't ask a question. The one. Oh, uh, psych. <laughs> All right, I'll ask a question. Um, and how does it affect, like, like you know, doing having a job? How does that affect the band? Like when it comes to like you know, like organizing practice and tours and you know recording and etc. Like the actual like you know. It comes down to scheduling. Yeah, it really does come down to scheduling. I mean, like. We've, yeah, just over the years, like, we've learned how to work with each other's schedules because we're all involved in a lot of different things. And um, it's just a matter of willpower, really. I mean, it's like we all want to be able to play these shows. We all want to make the albums. And so it's really cool. Like, we all, like, melt our minds. We bring out our schedulers, and we go, okay, these are the dates we're available, and then we make it happen. And we've been continuing to make it happen, which is, you know, kind of amazing because we do have like multiple members in each project. So um, really, it's it's totally doable. There's a lot of hours in a day, and then a lot of days in a year. So we've managed somehow. Well, also, what helps us is that back in the past, when we were doing, when we were uh, before we were touring with Mankind's Obsolete, we were rehearsing two, three times a week and spending hours and hours and hours rehearsing the same songs. Then after a while, once you go on the road, you kind of get, you know, pretty yeah, you, you get pretty good at your instrument, practice. and then you don't have to practice quite as much. So, so we have less practice time, but we make the most of it. And so oftentimes 
sometimes with Bash, we don't even rehearse before a show. <laughs> we just pull up the set list and go. And, um, you know, it's it's like we make the most of what we have, and, and it's pretty magical how it all comes together. I think part of it is because we play together all the time. Like, our, you know, we were just talking about, like, this last month, we literally just was back-to-back shows. Like, we were playing Anime Expo with Alice Underground, our jazz band, and, you know, Bash had shows scheduled, and Alice had shows scheduled, and we all just managed to make it all work. You know, in the next month, like, I'm literally going to be, um, you know, playing this big masquerade ball with Alice, and then I'm singing for another band called The Beta Machine, so I'm going to be singing with them and then doing a Mankind show. Um, it's really cool. John, our drummer, um, just got asked to play with IMX. So this will be his last show with us before he goes on tour with IMX. Yeah, I'll probably be seeing him when he hits the city. New York City, that is. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool, cool. Um, what's what's your next show? So let's go Let's go in order. Which is, when's the next Alice Underground show? So you said the Masquerade Bowl? Um, well, Alice, next Alice show is in Ventura. That's this Friday. And then we're playing the Masquerade Ball next Friday and Saturday. Okay, next Friday and Saturday, we need a date. Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, Ventura show is happening August 7th. And then we're playing the Masquerade Ball um, August 14th and 15th. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And then Mankind is obsolete. And then Mankind is obsolete is playing on August 22nd. Yeah, that's the one I've seen the advertising for. Thank you. And then our, our big Alice Bash uh, double header is happening on October 3rd at uh, Pub Rock in Arizona, Arizona. in the uh, Phoenix area. Yeah. So that, that's going to be very exciting. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, I notice you guys do a lot of shows in, in, in L.A. and in Arizona. Um, Arizona, you guys have a decent following there or what? what's going on there? Yeah, well, uh, after playing there for many, many, many years with Mankind is Obsolete, they kind of consider us locals. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's not that far <laughs> after you've driven it about a hundred times. <laughs> yeah. There was a time we were literally probably playing Arizona more than L.A. Uh, I love I love the people out there. They really have a lot of love for music, and they've been incredibly supportive. So, yeah, we, we like to make it out there as much as we can. All right. Well, yeah. That well, that does answer one of my other questions. I was expecting to ask, uh, are you guys gonna do like a tool perfect circle thing one day? And here we go. It's already happening. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is kind of happening. Well, maybe the irony is that uh, uh, Tosh mentioned Beta Machine, which uh, is the bass player Matt McJunkins, who is playing with the Eagles of Death Metal right now. But he was also friends of. Ours when uh, Scott or when when Tosh and John were going to Musicians Institute, and he used to fill in for me on bass. And uh, you know, now now they're all kind of involved. He was playing bass with Ashes Divide before he moved to Perfect Circle. So hmm. so it's, him and Jeff, um, the drummer um, of Beta Machine, also plays with them. Yes, yeah. so it's a it's a very small world. It is a small world. Oh, small town to the world, I guess. It is. Hmm. Um, so quickly, guys, do you have any favorite tales from the road? <laughs> this one will also go on. Who's, who's the audience of this? Are there, <laughs> are there small children? <laughs> because if so, I might have to say my friend this one time. <laughs> Our audience consists of adults mostly. We're we're listed on the iTunes as a, as a, under explicit, not safe for work. Oh, 
Alright. Like, hey, do y'all remember when we were staying with this crazy guy in New Jersey and watching all this horror and anime? No, no, never heard of <laughs> I don't remember that at all. It was the Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Yeah. And also the Warriors. Oh we kept walking around oh, like, yeah, Warriors, come out to play it. <laughs> it was awesome. That was such a fun time. That and you know, fun. we had to we had to duck to, to walk around in, in, in that place. It was really fun. Yeah, actually. But you had the best pizza of my life in your neighborhood. It was pretty amazing. And there was also some great pasta that was made in, in the kitchen of that place. I loved it. Um, that's that might have been my drunken cooking. Go me, ladies. Uh, <laughs> ladies, that's a plug for me, just in case. My uh, I think like one of the craziest times is when we got hit by a drunk driver in Arizona. That was pretty oh, crazy. that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Tosh was a uh, uh, Tosh had pulled pulled a muscle uh, in her in her chest uh, singing one of our sets, and so we were going to the hospital anyway because she couldn't breathe, and so I finished singing the set, and then. Ran up the hill trying to scope out where the hospital was. And meanwhile, Scott jumped in the van and started driving. And then the drunk driver slammed into the side of the van crossing an intersection. And, and it would have been where I had been sitting. So, you know, the, the world works in wonderful, mysterious ways. Oh. And then despite having pulled a muscle in her chest, Tosh jumped out of the van and proceeded to, to bitch the guy out. Just rah, verbally, <laughs> verbally give him some lashings with her... Uh, well, he actually drove away. Like, well, he got scared of you. He got, well, no, he was scared. <laughs> I'd be scared. <laughs> no. Like, she's gonna kill No, he was drunk. The guy was drunk, and he hit us, and then he drove away. And underage, and, and uninsured. And uninsured, oh, wow. unfortunately. So we never did see money for that. Funny. Yeah. No, it's a bummer. But we did have amazing fans that pulled out of the woodwork and helped us raise funds to get another band, so that was awesome. Oh, that's that's nuts. He was afraid of that Tyrish rage. Yes, yes. I oh, should fear the Tyrish Texan rage. <laughs> yeah. and there was this one time just before uh, having to cross the uh, the border into Canada. We were in oh. Cleveland, Ohio. We were on tour with Android Lust, uh, uh, you know, and that was the tour, the Animalia tour that we were uh, we were opening up for Android Lust. Steve Kafalis was right here. Uh, Hello. <laughs> he, he was drumming for them at the time, and so we were. I met. I, I visited with my parents in the car, and my dad said, "You know, the GPS is on the dash. Don't you think you should hide that?" And I was like, "Yeah, no big deal." <laughs> well, just a little bit later, somebody broke into the van, stole the GPS, and stole John's backpack, which had his his passport in it. And so, uh, you know, just before crossing the border, we had we had that to deal with. And then they basically just kept searching our bags over and over and over again. And we watched our sound check come and go, and we just had to turn around and come back. You know, they didn't even let us across the border, the jerks. No, well, who needs Canada anyway? That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> even, you know, well, they do have maple, really good maple syrup. And there. ice hockey. And ice hockey, yeah, there you go. And back in the 90s, they had really great weed. <laughs> but we wouldn't know anything about that. No, that's, no, right. that's right. You know, this is an audio podcast. They can't see us winking. We're Californians, so you know. That's right. Speaking of Californians, uh, if you had a, <laughs> what, what do you choose? In and Out Burger or Jack in a Box? In and Out all the way. Brilliant. I definitely like the good old In and Out. All right. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> no, not this show. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, just, it's, I'm glad to hear it because that's I, I thought I'm not the only one. In and out's like pretty much my first stop whenever I hit either uh, L Pack Vegas. Pack like drop my bags, go straight to In and Out. Yeah, that's that's us in Cracker Barrel when we leave California. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was some Southern cooking. Oh yeah, biscuits and gravy. <laughs> Country fried steak all the way. Oh yeah, and the gift store always has really odd musical instruments. Yeah, uh, actually over here, se- I forgot the date, like September 20-something, we're having a, a Warriors thing. Like a, what? Yeah, at Coney Island, that we, you know, the Warriors are going to be there. So, you know, it's like a Warrior convention. That sounds like fun. So, is this, so it's actually going to look like the big meeting in the very beginning when all the gangs got together, right? Yeah. I'm sure people are coming out in costume, right? Oh, yeah, 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 we got to oh, Gosh, that sounds amazing. Pictures. I need to see this. Yeah, that's uh, this, this is happening. It's that's happening. We're going <laughs> watching the movie. We might we might dress up as the baseball furies or something and then uh, close to the world. That's great. This is the best. Oh man. So if you guys were have to like, let's just say you have a friend. Let's just say his name rhymes. His name is Diego, and he's coming. To, <laughs> he's coming to L.A. What? Uh, what? What? Uh, tips would you give them to do? Like, hey, what's something cool to do on the weekend? Or well, what kind of what, what what kind of things is Tim? Yeah, Tim. <laughs> uh, I, I think he's into beer. Beer sounds like a thing he's into. Just hanging out, checking stuff out. You know, enjoying life. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of places to drink. Drink, yeah. Um, breweries and stuff like that. Like, there's all these like small time breweries in LA that like all like crafty artisanal. Like beers and stuff like that. LA is definitely into the down, downtown LA, especially of late. Last maybe what, like six, seven years, has become incredibly what would you call it? Mixology based, yeah. where they where they take ten minutes to make your drink, and they have really crazy ice cubes, and you know they, I don't, you know, it, it's it's very good, but it's very overpriced, and it's really not worth it. They do have, like, like another thing that people love out here is, like, food trucks. They'll have food truck festivals, food truck slash beer festivals. <clears throat> so that happens. Oh, yeah, you should find the, the Kobe barbecue food truck. I think that's just awesome. Kobe barbecue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's that. Yeah. It's, like, green barbecue um, tacos. Mm. Oh, and these days, because Uber is so Uber successful, <laughs> uh, you can, you don't have to, like, you know, pub crawl. You can pub Uber. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah is, is Uber a thing out in Jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really it's bigger in Brooklyn, but it's 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 expanding here. They're, I think they're planning on adding like a thousand new workers or something, or a thousand new cabs within the, between now and uh, December. So yeah, it's expanding here. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, that that whole ten minute that whole ten minute mix thing. I think sober Diego might like that, but drunk Diego would be annoyed waiting ten minutes for his drink. <laughs> That's why, that's why I think I just like beer. They just pour it, and there it is. It's right there. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So you guys don't have any plans to come visit us in the East Coast anytime soon? We wish. Maybe we could put something together. Um, we got a lot of uh, promoters or something we could talk to. Yeah, the big, the big issue with us is that um, we... We have to get a tour vehicle, and um, yeah. we, we need to also. I mean, it's it's really expensive to tour right now. Like that's that's been a, a big factor is, mm-hmm. is the money. 
Um, cause you know, like from a lot of our friends that tour and a lot of people that we talk to that are promoters and everything, it's like, um, it's a lot harder to get audiences to come out to support shows. So they, if they can't pay bands as well. And unfortunately, you know, it comes out of a band's pocket, you know, to pay for gas and things like that. So and food, um, as we would love to, so it would be a matter of either crowdfunding it or hopefully, you know, having enough support yeah. to be able to put that together. We're just putting our resources together, you know? Yeah. I think between us, like we could, we can make something happen. There's definitely plans for that. Um, you know, we, we're about to finish recording both the Alice and Alice underground albums. Um, I know Bash has been talking about doing some touring too. You know, we're doing the Arizona show for now. Um, and it's definitely in the plans. I mean, it's the logical next step. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, aiming to maybe do it sometime next year would be great. Yeah, because, like, music... Oh, okay. What's that? No, see, I I hear... I actually do do have an echo. That's That's the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been keep hearing myself. Yeah, so now I'm saying musically, I I would love to hear you guys come on by, but I noticed a pattern. It's like, like, the first time I saw you guys... I was married. Then the next time you guys came, I was in the middle of a divorce. Then the next oh. time you guys came, I got married again. Then the last <laughs> time, the last time you guys came, I'm in a, I was in the middle of a divorce. Oh. So, so which means, uh, if you guys come again, you guys might have to actually sing at the wedding this time to keep the pat- pattern nice. going. Oh, <laughs> see, that would be awesome. But when you uh, when you meet that special someone, uh, will your pickup line be? Would you like to be my next ex-wife? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Maybe if we bring all the bands, then we'll have, like, triple power, so you'll kind of, like, you know, bypass the divorce part this time. Actually, this whole this whole podcast is a ploy. I was actually getting ready to propose to Gordon, since it's now legal here in the States. Oh. He's trying to propose to you, Gordon. Oh. Since, since, that, since that is well, legal you know, in the California States. California just passed the, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's, there are more... There are more men holding hands in West Hollywood than I've ever seen. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. Nah, I'm just kidding. I don't believe. It. I don't. Be- I was just making that stuff up. I don't believe in any kind of marriage. <laughs> you big jerk! <laughs> you, I trusted you. <laughs> oh man, I'm just kidding. He's gonna write a bash song. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, usually see the great thing about Gordon's heart being broken over and over <laughs> is that he writes great songs. So many great, ba- great, so many great bash songs have, have happened from Gordon's poor broken heart. So Diego, we probably will write our next song about you. All right, awesome. I think it's gonna be called Diego. You've done me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more like a country music band song, but I'll take it. <laughs> All right, we could we could make a country band. I think I think I got a little spare time. <laughs> we got a few minutes. Yeah, it's funny. Um, um, a friend of mine. Um, yeah, it's a color friend. She 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 saw, she, was, she was telling me that she was gonna move out there to LA and crash with some friends, and they're all in quote unquote bands. But she's like, oh, turns out that none of them actually had a home. Do you, do you know like is that is that like an issue out there, or is just these certain group of knuckleheads that just uh, have a Bad, bad work ethic. She's like, oh, they're li- they're literally living in either the studio or in storage spaces. Have you heard anything like of other bands doing that, or is it just like the small cabal of people? Well, you know how you know how Manhattan used, you know, New York used to be the most expensive place to live. Yeah. L.A. is is rapidly becoming one of the more expensive places. So I've heard about a lot of people couching it. <laughs> 
to name a few. I know <laughs> very personally. Uh, but yeah, you know, I I think it's just really hard. So yeah. so I know that there are a lot of people who might be might not have the kind of ethic, but there's just there's just not as much work as there used to be. It's really it's really a tough time right now for a lot of people, not just musicians. Yeah. So to me, it's more of a mark of just like people who are really committed, you know, that they're willing to, to do what it takes to like, to keep on going and <clears throat> have a positive outlook, you know, like just to live out of your, out of a fucking suitcase, you know, if you need to, that just means you're committed, you know, it sucks, but those are the people that are going to be successful, you know? Um, right, yeah. I mean, it definitely is like, you know, in terms of the economy here, it's, it's, it's not easy. Like Gordon was saying, there's not as much work and it's really expensive to live in LA. You know, we've had several, you know, people like for me, you know, from Texas and it's incredible, like the difference in paying rent in Texas versus here. But this is where all my, this is my band family. This is where my band family lives. And so it makes sense for us to be here. Yeah, all right. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's get ready to wrap this bad boy up. Um, any parting words and and you know, yeah, any parting words for your fans out here on the interwebs? Um, thank you for traveling all of our musical worlds with us and supporting us all these years. We hope to see you sometime soon. Yeah, we miss all of you. We we love we love each and every one of you, and and you know, it's just so awesome to do it when when. When you appreciate it, it kind of makes it all worth it. It does. And keep writing us because, I, you know, I still have people. It's awesome that we we might have played a show like years ago and they continue to write me and it really means a lot. And I always try to write back, you know, sometimes things get busy, but I always take the time to write back because it, it really means a lot to, you know, connect and touch base because that's really what we're doing is, you know, music is out there to connect with people. So, yes, keep in touch with us. All right, cool, cool. All right, let's 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 uh, do the cheap plugs. Uh, can you guys like list the name of the websites one more time? Um, ilikealice.com and also facebook.com/ilikealice and Instagram um, Alice Official um, Alice Alice Music Official. I'm sorry. Um, and then obviously mko.com. Uh, Mankind is obsolete. Just do a web search. All this stuff can be found on Google too. Um, yeah. And then bashrock.com. Uh, bash you can find us on Spotify. If you um, type in one of our songs, I'm Tolstoy, we'll get you right there. Uh, you know, bashrock bash, wanna bash, all those things will work. You'll, you'll, you'll find it. All right, cool, cool. And that brings us. To the end of this episode, let me hit a let me hit the commercial cue, and we'll be right back. Sweet. And we're Sweet. back. Hector, what did you think of that interview with Mankind is Obsolete? I think it needed more mail. More mail. That's freaking great. Um, <laughs> uh, classic Hector. Wah, wah. So, um, you know, we did the callbacks early. You know, usually we do it at the end of the episode after the interview, but this time we decided to do it at the beginning. So, um... Let's talk about this week's subject. And this week's subject is sex nightmares. Hector, have you ever had a sex nightmare? I had one, if you can call it that. Uh, I don't know if it, it scared the crap out of me, though I might not seem as scary to other people. 
Uh, it might seem more sad than scary. Uh, what had happened was I dreamt, and this happened when I was 14, which is the time that a lot of my tragic stories begin. <laughs> um, this started when I was 14, and I dreamt I was in my aunt's house, and uh, I was in one of those, I was on a staircase that had like a little bend towards the left. So there I was at the corner of the staircase, and um, there. I, so the dream was me jerking it right there on the staircase. Um, I finished, and then I woke up. And and what makes that so sad is that even in my dreams, I'm alone jerking it. Oh, don't don't feel too bad, Hector. I mean, it, honestly, in, in my dreams, I actually get, I never have sex in my dreams. I always get rejected, or when it's about to happen in my dreams, it just doesn't happen. You know the difference between a dream and reality, right? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> wah, wah. I kid, I kid. Not really, go on. So no, I'm just saying, like I don't, I don't get laid in my dreams ever. Like if it's about to happen, my brain has like a defense mechanism. Like, hey, you're a dream. Wake up. <laughs> it's like, 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 it's like a troll. Like I'm people who know me know I'm, like, I'm a troll. So don't think I just troll you, my friends. I troll myself with things like that. <laughs> so, so I mean, I had, I had a sex nightmare, which is what, what's the point of this? Why I brought it up was recently I had a dream. That I was a I was a I was a mop boy if that's the name of the position at a supermarket. I'm just mopping the supermarket floor, and I'm I'm as happy as a peach, happy I, as a clam. Although I want to go on record that the name Diego sounds more like a sexy pool boy as opposed to the uh, the clerk at a supermarket. You know. Yeah. So I will agree with that. So as as I'm sweeping, being happy as a clam, I'm actually enjoying this job, even though it kind of sucks. Like side note. Like, you know, people, yeah, you know, when you have a job, you go home and you sleep and you dream about your job, doesn't that suck? It's just like, damn. And then when you get back to work, you're like, it feels like you never left. All right, sidebar over. You know, we could talk about that some other time. So then it, as, I'm, as I'm sweeping and mopping or whatever, I, I see a female friend of my life. I know. Real life. We're cool. You know, I'm not sexually attracted to her. You yeah. Know? But we're all like, she's like, hi. I'm like, oh, hey. You know, I'm trying to be all, you know, but. My de my def defense mechanism is if I'm cool with a chick and you know nothing's ever gonna happen, I kind of act a little bit more feminine. So they kind of like I don't want to send any like more I don't want to send any testosterone vibes. Like I don't want to send any pheromones their way. Then you must like a lot of women, Diego. Yeah. So I kind of so I'll, I'll be like, hey, how are you? Next thing I know, for some reason we start making out, and I I don't know like we start making out and like I push her away and her teeth start to become buck teeth. And we start sucking face more, and pull her back, and now she has like a, her her snout and her teeth are like elongated. Like we're like we're, we're about to you know make whoopee happen, and when she she takes off her shirt, she's furry as fuck, and she turns into like a female version of Splinter from Ninja Turtles, and I hit the panic button and I wake up, I'm like holy shit, <laughs> that was scary, and that that was my sex nightmare. If anyone's on this podcast has ever had sex nightmares, please leave them as a comment on our Facebook uh, uh, page. Like, you know, we always put up the episodes up on Facebook. I mean, they're up on Podomatic and whatever. But, you know, like, interact with us, damn it. Like and us it, on Facebook. And it's if, if, if we pick one really good one, we'll read it out loud. Oh, shit, that's true. Yeah, let's do that. Let's have a contest. Yeah. You're not going to win jack shit because we have no money. <laughs> but the winner of the contest will have your, your sex nightmare read on, our, on air. And speaking of nightmares, ugh, this is going to be rough. 
<laughs> Hector and I, we did trauma dance this year. <laughs> oh, wow. Last year, we loved the fuck out of it. Oh, it was. Let me tell you, last year, it was glorious. It was fun. It was funny. The movies were balls to the wall. You know, even the worst ones were great. You know, but this one. Wow. All right. So let me let me start with my personal high first. It opened up with a, with a panel with featuring Lloyd, Sam Roberts, this girl from Hit Flick, from Fright Flicks, um, the, the guy from Fangoria. Um, and, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the panel. It was for me. It was about learning how to brand yourself. I, I think Hector was too busy getting uh, sexy pop popcorn. That's all he did was get like 15 bags of sexy pop popcorn. Shout out to sexy pop popcorn. You motherfuckers rock. Yeah. <laughs> Diego, we're losing you. Oh God! Oh God, Diego! Sorry, just thinking about the fucking after after the uh. Take a breath. Take a breath. Go on. After the uh, after the panel was this movie called Nightmares. Uh, Jesus H Christ. May, may, may I get a start? Go, go, Can go, I... go. I'm dying. What's going? Um, let me get a start off on Nightmares. Okay. As a fan, I am a fan of documentaries. I've always been a fan of documentaries. I've seen a lot of them. Uh, I've seen the big ones. I've seen the small ones. You know, I've seen the ones on Discovery Channel and whatnot. So I am, you know, when it comes to documentary, I'm pretty open to them. So we, so keep in mind, this is Trauma Fest. It is notorious for having these tasteless or uh. Low budget films. Right. Even you can say avant garde, man. Because I mean, besides to cut you off, we're not gonna jump ahead. But the short films are awesome. Yeah. But let's go back to nightmares. Go. So, so nightmare started playing, and when I first saw it, it it had like a documentary feel to it. My first impression was that it was gonna be the uh, parody of a documentary. Like it wasn't really a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that contribution, Diego. Um. <laughs> You know, it was going to be like a mockumentary, you know, it was like one of those, I thought it was going to be like one of those found footage films where like, uh, um, what's the word, a paranormal activity or Blair Witch, where you find, you know, it was just some camera that was found and, you know, they're exposing it to the people. But then as the movie progressed, we noticed that this was actually a documentary on sleep paralysis, which is a real thing that real people have suffered for. I have friends that have, have gone through that. So when this documentary was going around, it was like, okay, documentary on experiences of bleak streets, uh, sleep paralysis, and it's actually pretty creepy. Now, if this movie would have been an like half an hour to an hour long, I would have been like, okay, this movie is not that bad. But once it broke the hour mark, it went from mildly entertaining to fuck you in the eye boring. I have not been so bored in a film, watching a film, since I have, like, was, at, saw, like, my niece's recital. It was ridiculous. Sorry, like, I, at one point, sorry to cut you off, Hector. At one point, I'm literally sitting down, looking at the ceiling, waiting to die. That was what I was doing right now. This, I'm literally, I was literally dying of boredom. I'm like, well, this is, if this is how it happens... This is how our saga ends. Oh my god. And I sat down to watch this film. And I tried to give it a fair shot. Even when it broke the hour mark. I was like, okay, 
Maybe there's something. Now, here's the biggest problem about the film. It kept recycling its um, the people that was interviewing. Like, I get it that some documentaries, they'll revisit a lot of people that they've interviewed before. But these people were re revisited like six times in the movie. Every little change that happened in their life, they had to talk about it. And there were like six different segments, I believe. No, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, I'm telling you, like, this was not a bad film as manner of content. And it wasn't a bad film as matter of, like, the people. It was just too freaking long. You know? It just became agonizing. I fell asleep. Uh, we they, The movie was being held at this, uh, like, a warehouse. The, or The paper box. The paper box. And they have a bar. I literally went over there to take a nap. Because this movie stopped at one... Here's the thing. This movie stopped being entertainment... It started becoming homework at one point. Not just that, man. It was just, like I said, like, all right, like, at the beginning, it's like, all right, here's the setup. That's cool. But not, you, you feel like there's no resolution. It was the same shit over and over again. Mm -hmm. I was I was asleep, and something, some force came over me. And then they kind of tried to make it, like, a cool graphic, like, whatever. And it was, fuck, man. Sorry, guys. This is bad. And I don't want, like, this not the movie too long. But uh, I've actually, at one point, did experience what they were supposed to call sleep paralysis once. Because there was a part where they're like, oh, this being with red eyes showed up. And apparently that's like a real thing. And that happened to me once. I was sleeping. And uh, it looked so like a, a tall guy. A tall guy over my bed with red eyes. He had a hat and long hair. And that's what they experienced. But they were all like, oh, I'm afraid for my life. But I was just like, can I help you? <laughs> and then I just woke up. And that's it. Never experienced that shit again. Here's an interesting little side note. Did you know that um, Black Sabbath's album... Black Sabbath um, was, I, I forget the name of the song, but there was one song that was based on sleep paralysis. Alright guys, if you can find the name of that song, leave it as a comment on our Please Facebook do, page. I'm drawing uh, a blank. Heck, I'm drawing a blank, and you'll win a no prize. We're stealing <laughs> you. <laughs> Careful, don't, say, don't, don't, don't steal things from Stan Lee, he'll turn into the Hulk and kill us both. Alright, so... That movie was finally thankfully over. Hector had a shot of Evan Williams, and this poor guy couldn't handle it. Oh, shut up, Diego. You're like dying. You're like, I, I can't right, feel my okay, tongue. I can't right, feel my tongue. On, time out. Time out. <laughs> okay, here's the thing about the Evan Williams, all right? I wasn't drunk. I was. I had like a weird sense. Like I felt like I was high. Because I was conscious and aware of everything, but I felt like like my body was buzzing. So it wasn't drunkenness; it was something else altogether. Yeah, but from Evan Williams. Well, these pe different people react differently to different things, man. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Well, anyway, heck, I, was so I, I, I enjoyed. It. Well, it's I don't know. But <laughs> you were like, I can't feel my tongue, and I was like, What is he doing? He just had a shot. Anyway, so the next movie is a short film. It's called Childhood Memories. Love that film. It was a nice, sweet film. Took place, I guess, in the 1940s, black and white. It was cool, but it was just a, it was one big boob joke or whatever. But it was it was cool. It was nice. I, I yeah, I, it was well made. It was well shot, well acted. It was pretty good. I liked it because it it was reminiscent of like those old um like uh, coming of age movies. Yeah. Like the Sandlot and everything. You remember the Sandlot? Yeah, I've never seen it. You never seen it? Get out of my get get out of here. <laughs> oh, we're not we're not friends anymore. No. Yeah. 
But, like, you know, there was, like, these movies. If, watch The Sandlot and you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. I mean, I've seen the commercials for it. I know of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. All right. The next movie I thought was pretty cool. It's from Spain. Actually, I can't, I'm not going to fail this guy's name. Uh-huh. Childhood Memories was directed by John Nihawa, N-I-J-H-A-W-A-N. Uh, the next movie is called El Bosque Negro. El Bosque Negro, yeah. Um, El Bosque Negro, yes. Yeah, yeah. I can read Spanish, I just can't speak it. It's directed by Paul Yorkijo. That looks like a Japanese, Japanese no, no, name. That, uh, Urquijo. The name is Paul Urquijo. From Spain. From España. And, I mean, immediately I knew it was going to touch Hector's heart when the, <laughs> the opening font was like in black metal. Yeah, like... He, uh, yeah, you got mad at me because I said, hey Hector, is that death metal? You're like, black metal! <laughs> You're making me look like one of those freaking metal uh, uh, hipsters. Oh, I only listen to symphonic, pagan, Nordic metal. Yeah, actually, quick side note. We, we have a boy. His name is um, Biggie. Ah, oh, shit. Uh, shit here. Anyway, I call him Biggie. He's a big dude. Uh, one day we're, go, we're, we're in his car, and he's listening to, like, like uh, folk metal. And it was basically like death metal, but with a violin. Yeah, yeah. And man, I I cannot let let it go. Like I was cracked. This guy's huge. He's he's six foot one, two hundred thirty five pounds of pure muscle. And I don't know why I kept trolling him the entire time about the violin. I could not let it go. Like it's like I like you and your fucking violin. So I knew he could murder me at any point in time, but I couldn't. I could Enzo is his name. Big Enzo. Shout out to you, brother. So anyway, Bosque Negro. Wait, yeah, Bosque Negro. Um, tell us your feeling, sector. Okay, uh, I freaking loved this short film. It's actually my favorite film that played that day because it was, in actuality, very metal. You know, um, simple plot. Knight goes into uh, the the uh, black forest. The black forest. To save a seemingly princess and things don't go exactly as it goes. I'm not going to scroll the end of it, but it's really great. Uh, special effects are really cool. Um, the fights are cool. The fights are cool. The The costumes are out of this world. Yeah, it's very professional costumes. It was really good. It was really well made, really well shot. Yeah. If you could figure a way to look up El Bosque Negro. The Black Forest. The Black English. Forest, yeah. Please give it a shot. Yeah, uh, if you ever get a chance to see this movie, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's like about what, fifteen minutes long? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not bad to watch. Nah, you like, know, it it's could, it, it it's could Yeah, it could be like you know, like a like if you put like a a black metal band. Yeah. A black metal band, like have them play like in the background, like it could be like kind of like Michael Jackson's Thriller, <laughs> you know, or you start like yeah. movie band movie. Can, can I go on a little side note? Sure. Why hasn't there been like that one metal band to make that really big at fifteen minute video? Like, the closest thing we ever got was Demogorg Gears, Prognosis, to a, no, no, wait, you know what, overseas we get a lot of that, over here we don't. Yeah, no. Like, I, there's, there's, uh, Demogorg Gears, Prognosis to a great, to the Great Apocalypse. That's a pretty freaking huge, in fact, I believe MTV recognized it as the third most expensive video ever made. Oh, really? Yes. Makes and, sense. Yeah, because, like, they used several sets, costumes. They used like an actual. They were playing inside an actual wind tunnel. Yeah. Which was crazy. Um. Then I uh uh from from uh damn it from from Cradle to Enslave had a really big budget. The I think they rented out an actual cathedral for a little while. It was pretty cool. Then they had another video 
called Mannequin that was directed by actually one of the people who directed. Yeah, like we I can't remember these videos over here. We don't, but I would like to see like that one heavy metal grand opus, which is like spans like 15 minutes. Yeah, like if you're in a metal band and you want to make an awesome video and you can raise the money, contact this guy, Paul Harkijo. Yeah, like he, he, Paul, was it Paul Urquijo? This man is genius. If you get him to direct your video, believe me, he will do right by you. It's fantastic stuff. Hector, I'm putting you on the spot. Go ahead. You, you have. Well, I'm going to give you two missions. All right. I'm going to give you the first mission now. Mission number one: get this guy for our podcast so we can interview him. I'll see what I can do. Mission. I'll, I'll track him down. It was called Lepidophile, directed by Ara Ball. Lepidophilia. What? It's Canadian? I thought yes. it was France. France. Yeah. This movie, hands down, felt the most trauma years. Yes, definitely. Because it was very uncomfortable. I mean, the name, translated to English, let pedophile. I don't let know how, 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 do you, how, do you, how do you say that in English. I don't even know. But you, you might get the idea. Let pedophile. Let pedophile. Yeah, let pedophile. It was very uncomfortable, very trauma-y. It's, it's, um... It's not, a, it's not an easy walk. That's your thing, and you, and you know what I mean. If you like, not even you know, if you're not not into like you know, if you look human centipede and uh, a well, Serbian film. Well, let, let me ex- let me explain things like that. Let, let me explain my take on this film. Um, it is there. It, it is gory at the, near the end. I'm not gonna re- reveal anything, but it is gory at the end, and it's actually really well done. Like it's realistic as fuck. But what I thought was interesting about the film wasn't so much the violence, was like, like it was it was weird. It was so odd because I don't know what the director was going for with this film. I think they, I mean, I don't know who. who let me see the director. Aura Ball. I don't know about the male or female. I, well, this Aura fell, fell off, or fell off, whatever. Um, he or she, <laughs> um. Let me, let me see if we can look this up. Hold on. Let me, let me see if we can find out if this is a... Uh, Alright. So, while well, Hector's looking that up. So, the movie, like, it, the way it's shot, it, it made it made everyone in the theater. We kind of squirmed. It, it, it didn't show much, but what what was hinted and what let your imagination take over is what uh, is what made things feel very uncomfortable. That's it. It's a, it's a dude. It's a dude. Wow, really? It, it, there's the picture of him. Alright. Very French-Canadian. Yeah. Um. Now here's here's the thing. Um. Now this is my interpretation of the film. I'm not saying this is the exact uh ideal of the film, but this is my what I took away from it. Um. <laughs> it was it was an odd film where like you it the first off the way that it was set up, you'd swear that you that the, you want, the director wanted you to sympathize with the pedophile because you didn't know who the pedo he was a pedophile to begin with. You know, you thought he, like he took care of his mother who was a total cunt. You know, he, remember? Yeah, she, like she, she, you know, he was trying to be nice. He's a little, he's childish. There's a scene where he's in a gym and people were like, you know, like, hey, this guy's working out. And the worst part, and the weirdest part is like the gym scene was something like out of like Let's Get Physical from like '81, you know. And um, so like you think, oh, this he's a nice kid. Now there's no indication that he's a pedophile yet. He's like, oh, he's just a nice guy, taking care of his mom, working out. Yes. Then he, then he turns around and you see right there, everyone saw the words lepidophile. People groaned collectively. 
everyone like, ah, because we were starting to actually like this guy. Yeah, like, like you know, like those who didn't have the program. It's surprising. A lot of people, they didn't pick up the sweet uh, program. I so, got mine. I got mine, too. So, uh, those, like, I, I saw it coming because I read the I read the program. Mm -hmm. But those who didn't, who didn't see the program, once they saw the title of the film, collective groan in the audience. You get the big, ah, clear across. So, my, our recommendation is if you're into, like, you know, like Human Centipede, Trauma, a Serbian film, you know, if you have a... If your if your uh, sense of if your fan fandom is very off kilt, give it a, give the movie a shot. Why not? Yeah, and if you have, just keep in mind, um, have a strong constitution for this one. Yeah, but if you're all like, oh, I only watch Sense and Sensibility, Bridget <laughs> Jones Diary, and shit like that, skip this. Yes. Now this is where Hector and, and I change your tampon. And uh, Hector and I were gonna. This is the part where Hector and I will have a minor disagreement on films. I have a feeling. Yeah. Final film for Friday. The thing is, is that we. I wish I would have gone. I wish I would have gone Friday, but uh, I had prior obligations. Friday seemed to have a strong lineup. That shit's about to get heated. They had a uh, Return to Newcomb High, the working print cut, and a bunch of the short films. Yeah. But the final movie for Saturday. Apologies to all the movies we didn't review because we got there at five fifteen, so we missed Clinger, which looks pretty good. Clinger, I think I'm actually gonna look up myself. Yeah. Clinger, directed by Michael Steves. The final feature presentation for Patroma Fest 2 2015 was called Exmoor, directed by Luke Hyams. Hyams. So Hector and I, we both have, uh, I think we have different opinions on this film, so I'll let Hector oh, go first. I, thank you for being a gentleman. But you know what? I actually want you to go first on this one. Okay. I, I, I enjoy, like, this movie started off as a slow burn about uh, a boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, I reckon they're American. Who go to like England or Scotland or someplace overseas? Don't murder me, uh, our our UK listeners. And to attract a mysterious puma, yes, a puma. Because the girl, she's no, she's always looking for Bigfoots and Loch Ness, and obviously she's always failing. So they meet, they meet a friend of theirs, and it's like, oh, we found this thing. I say, I enjoy the slow build. I like the direction. I like the acting. I like the male lead. I don't know if he's the male lead or not. He might be. I have to Google him. Uh, um. The only, my only complaint, my only complaint was the uh, the last two minutes. Well, not the last two minutes. The last, last, the last shot of the movie. I was cracking up. <laughs> but the uh, the the ending of the action portion of the movie, I was just like, "Are you serious? This is like something out of Looney Tunes. Like it's so retarded." Yeah. But I enjoyed the movie. Long story short, I would recommend it as a one-time viewing. It's not a cult classic. It's not one of my favorites. It's not something like, oh, you ha like, I have to buy this shit on Blu-ray. It's something like, yeah, I saw it once. I enjoyed it. The end. Hector. All right. Well, clear the table because I'm about to lay out. Um, Are you a buzzer? I was not a fan of this film at all. I, I, I didn't like anything about it. Um, uh... I could I have a laundry list of beefs with this film. Uh, let's start off with the most with the simplest part: the fact that it doesn't know what the fuck it wants to be. Like at the beginning of the movie, you think you're gonna walk in, you're walking into a paranormal uh, investigation movie. Then you're gonna then you look then you're thinking of your you're gonna you know like a monster movie like your like Congo or or Loch Ness or something you know something like oh they're they're searching for an animal. I'm like, okay, so they're gonna, so it's gonna be a monster movie, right? 
and then it goes into or then it goes into this weird segue where it becomes a slasher. And that was my first beef with the with the movie off the bat because I didn't know what the fuck it wanted to do. I actually I enjoyed that implication. You know, um, I didn't the, the I didn't enjoy the acting uh, by any of them. Like seriously, the the these quote actors they look like they were just found at the local playhouse and given their big opportunity. Um, I didn't uh, um. I didn't like the fact that it was all done in, like, the backwoods and in the forest and everything, because that's just cheap. Well, it was, actually. Some scenes were pretty dark. Like, it was like, like yeah, the squid sea things. That part I got understand having yeah. deeper. Like, I think, I just think that he did, the director did it because it's cheap. You don't have to pay trees or anything, you know? So, so I get, okay, you want us to save money, blah, blah, blah. But every freaking scene in the forest seriously yeah it's in the forest they're, they're, saw, they're in the middle of nowhere that's what makes it scary dude, there's no help dude freaking friday the 13th didn't have this much forest because it wasn't in the forest it's in a campground it's two different things like look if i can tell a quick personal story all right i was i a friend of a friend of a friend and i don't i don't even know why but we ended up lost in the the mountains or the forest of in next to missoula montana you know, we got picked up by a guy. We're hitchhiking. A guy picks up. He's telling us tales of how he's murdered people. And at first, <laughs> at first we're like, eh, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But then he's like, oh, open up my glove department, uh, my glove depart- compartment Department. of the car. And I see those bullets, those pills, and there was probably, it was like chicken bones, I think about it. But when it's fucking, it's, you know, pitch black, and he's driving a, you know, 60 miles per hour, and he's talking about killing people. When you see bones, you gotta freak out. Then he just drops us off in the middle of nowhere. He's like, this is where you get off. And he drove and he left us. And now, we're like, thinking like, holy shit, is this nigga gonna pop up and like, kill us? Shut up. He's a white guy. He's from Montana. So, so, he, all we can, all, the only thing we can see is the moonlight. And let me tell you something, that was one of the scariest moments of my life. Thinking like, this guy could be hidden anywhere at any point in time, he could have murdered us if he really was a killer. And luckily, some other college kid picked us up, and it started snowing. And thank well, God, on the bright side, at least none of you were big, busty blondes. Yeah, so then you have a problem. So I'm just saying, I could relate with this movie the fact that you're in the middle of the forest. The only light you have is the moon, and uh, the a killer could be literally anywhere. It was also cougar season too. Before we even went to the woods. People in town were like, oh, don't go to the woods. It's cougar season. So it was kind of wild. It's like a parallel to this movie. Like, I'm really feeling this movie really hit my soul. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. So no, the look, end. As, as a person who has seen literally every slasher film that's ever been made, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones with Goldberg, you know, where he was Santa Claus yes, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have seen them all. This one was terrible. It wasn't. It wasn't scary. It wasn't spooky. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't anything. It you could take a child to see this movie because no one's gonna get creeped out by this thing. It's not about being creeped out. It's about. It's about. It's about tension. It's tension. There was no tension. There was tension. There's like, oh, is is he gonna pop out here and kill us, or or is that thing gonna go over there? Are we gonna die because of this? It is tension. You're isolated in the middle of the forest. Dude, and you don't know what's gonna happen. Forget that. You want to see a movie that has really good tension? Watch your next. 
that movie rocked. Right, I gotta see that one. That one's just pretty good. That one, that one is really good. It's about this family. They they have a house in the middle, and then they start getting hunted down by four guys with like animal masks, and it's genius. I love that film. I've seen it like at least three times. You want to see a good movie about backwoods killers? Watch that film. All right, so 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 we don't end up on a downer. Let's quickly review Trauma Fest 2014, which we really loved. And we oh, hell yeah. So that's the part where let's finish this up. Let's go back inside 2014 Trauma Fest. <laughs> Hector, go over Night Satan and the Loots of Doom. Night Satan and the Loots of Doom! It is one of the coolest films I've ever seen. It has, it has a wild premise. It makes very little sense, but it's just so visually awesome, and it has one of the coolest soundtracks I have ever heard from an independent film. It's glorious. I loved it. It's it's basically nothing more than a really long music video, but it's a really cool music video. It has everything that's like it's it's like everything you ever loved about cheesy eighty sci-fi today. Yeah, it's a movie. This is one of those movies that's made for one purpose and one purpose only—to have fun. No depth, no secret message, no trying to teach you a lesson. It's just them. Ha the movie is balls to wall, good time. Mission number two: get that director on this podcast. I yes, you know what? He's my Facebook friend. So message him, see how good his English is, and we'll try to organize that shit together. Oh, definitely. Um, he's actually pretty cool. Um, he's his English is really good. It is good. Yeah, it is good. He's, right. Although I think he's like Czech or something. Like yeah. I don't know what. It is. But he's really cool. We've spoken a couple of times via messenger. Um, I send him a video of me doing my martial arts thing because he might be. He said it, he would uh, find a place for me in his next film. So. But, uh, yeah, I think I, if, if he's nearby, I think I can get him for a podcast. Well, it's not, not mailbag. He just has to have a computer and a Skype. Oh, okay, yeah, then, then I'll ask him. Yeah, send a message. Let's make this happen. Let's organize it. And when I mean like I'm a friend, I mean like I'm actually a friend. I'm not just like liking his page. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's mission number two. I wanted to wait for this review first. Yeah. Night Saints and the Loops of Doom. I believe it's on Amazon. It's an, it's a, uh, I love it. That's it. That's my review. I love Watch it. the movie and buy the soundtrack. There's a separate CD. It's awesome right. i think it's on itunes as well but i'm not sure all right so and then uh last year trauma fest ended with this movie called evil feed evil feed damn hell that movie was everything i wanted it to be and more if you hear the if you read the plot that's all you need to know that movie is that movie is slathered dripping with trauma goodness Everything that is trauma is in this film. But if it was made by quality, no offense, uh, uh, Lloyd and company, but it was it looked like it was, it was professionally shot and made. It was professionally shot and made, and it the plot is uh, this 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 guy owns a Chinese restaurant, and they serve humans to rich people. Uh, he, so he dies, his son takes over, and rather than just feeding people humans, they have live underground fights underneath the restaurant and whoever wins stays alive whoever loses becomes part of the dinner yeah it's basically if you took texas chainsaw massacre uh -huh. and blood sport and mashed them perfect description and that's all we can say is evil feed look it up yes 
find them on Facebook. Let the director know that his key to keep going. Tell the writers, keep going. Don't stop. Don't let this be your only film. This movie deserves to be a cult classic. Yes, and it will fucking make you cringe. I am telling you, there are times where it's... Like- watch, watch this with a group of friends. You know, if you guys drink... Cola, <laughs> and just watch this, watch this with your friends, and watch it, you know, because it's not, it's not a movie that's, you know, I love, it's, I love it's, the, it's, it's enhanced. By I love friendship. the fact that if you're talking about underage, I love the fact that you're okay with them watching the film, but the fear that's out of the question. Well, I mean, they're allowed, they're legally <laughs> allowed to watch the film. Uh, it's, it's like rated R, NC seventeen, pocket, whatever, kids, it's art. Just like our podcast. Exactly. So we're, we're going to jail tomorrow. So on that note, we're going to wrap this bad boy up. Yeah. Final words. Just watch Evil Feed. Watch Night Satan. Watch and the Loops of Doom. And Loops of Doom. Watch El Bosque Negro. Le Pedophile. That's a hard watch. So if you think you can stomach it, watch it. It's not, like I said, it's not physically. It's emotionally stomaching, whatever. Yeah. X more, Hector says no. I say why not? I'm not saying go out of your way to watch it, but if you see it, give it a shot. Why not? Just board. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Uh, but once again, big thank you to Mankind's Obsolete. Thank you for to Monkey Man for helping us out earlier. Yeah. And uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Enter insert goodbye catchphrase now. Peace out. <laughs>